started with our scripture reading for the day. This morning's scripture reading comes from James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Praise God. Thank you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, or draw near to you, uh, as King James says. And over the last several weeks, again, if you notice the theme that is going through these messages on how we can be more victorious in the, in the Lord and, and uh, uh, building faith. And we talked about trust and the difference between faith and trust. And uh, as I've said a, a dozen times, that God's goal is for us to understand his word, to learn of him, to commune with him, to speak with him, pray to him, so that we can be victorious in our lives, because he knows that trials and tribulations will come our way. But if we know the word of God, and if we've been drawing nigh unto him, then we uh, can turn those challenging times in our lives around to be more victorious. But looking at the, at the scripture today, and the operative words there are drawing nigh to God, how is it that we draw nigh to God, or near to God, and what are some of the things that can prevent us from drawing near to God? So today, the, the message will be basically in two parts. It'll look at what it is to be drawing nigh to God and what could be preventing us from drawing nigh to God or near to God. So we can look at those things in our lives. And then what, what can we do to help us to draw near to God? Because we will only benefit by drawing near to him. Um, in last Sunday or either the Sunday before, I read some scriptures that was uh, talking about how People that, that struggle the most in life, people that have the most challenging lives and struggling, I won't say challenging because we all have challenges, but those of us who struggle the most are those of us who do not have a personal relationship with God. They don't view God as being a personal relationship. They believe that God is, that God exists, but having that personal one-on-one -on -one tie and link to God, many Christians find it difficult to do. So drawing near to God is indeed very important for us. Uh, so we talked about you know having God have a deeper prayer life but one of the things that can prevent us from drawing near to God is rebellion okay is rebellion and we want to look at where rebellion began so let's go to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 14 book of Isaiah chapter 14 if we are in a state of rebellion then it's certain it's certain um hinders us from drawing near to God. And we know that if we can't draw near to God, then other things in our lives start, start suffering also. So looking at rebellion, Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12. We're going to look at where rebellion, rebellion began. 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, who did weaken the nations? For thou hast said, underline said, thou hast said in thine heart, I will, underline I will, I will ascend into heaven. I will, underline I will, exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will, underline I will, sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will, underline I will, ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will, underline I will, be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to Sheol, or hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man who made the, the earth to tremble, who did shake kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness, and destroyed its cities, who opened not the house of his prisoners? So we see here that rebellion was born in the very, in the very heart of Lucifer. He said no less than five times, I will, I will, I will, I will. So this was something that he decided he wanted to do, um, puffed up so in pride because of his beauty. Uh, and, uh, uh, and because of this uh, rebellion and taking with him a third of the heavenly host, as we know, this is where rebellion began. So we see here that we, if we are in a state of rebellion, and we're going to look at some of the things how rebellion manifests in a, in a moment. But if we are in, in a state of rebellion in the first place, we're following down that same path as Lucifer. And if we're following down that path, then obvious, obviously it's going to be very difficult for us to draw near to God. Go to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. What are some of the things that can hinder us from really drawing near to God? Proverbs 17. And just verse number 11. Okay. Proverbs 17. 
It should be right next to Psalms, the book of Psalms. Praise God. Proverbs 17, verse number 11. Okay, praise God. Uh, Just one verse I'm reading here. An evil man seeks only rebellion. Please underline. An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Underline that also. A cruel messenger shall be sent against him. So here we see here that uh, rebellion is considered something that an evil man would do. And by a result of us being rebellious, rebellious, a cruel messenger shall be sent against us, could be sent against us. Now, a cruel messenger, obviously, that's, that's you opening the door to demonic influence. So if we're being rebellious and acting as an evil man or woman, then we're opening the door here for evil attack and, and evil things and bad things to be happening in our lives. Again, we're looking at rebellion and how it could be preventing us from drawing near to God. Go to 1 Samuel, the book of Samuel. The first book of Samuel. 1 Samuel, and we want to go to chapter 15. Okay. Chapter 15, and we're going to do start at verse number 22. 15, verse number 22. Okay. 1 Samuel. 15, verse number 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Please in the line, obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the rams. So underline, to obey is better than sacrifice. So what God is saying here, uh, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So here we see that obedience, or not being rebellion, rebellious, is more important to God than sacrifices. You know, So many will think, you know, we talked a little bit uh, last week uh, about works, and how some people think that their works is what makes them holy and their works is what may give them salvation. What God here is saying is that, you know, people think because of my works or because I'm regularly tithing or because I'm regularly giving to the church and giving to charity that I'm good, everything is okay. What God is saying, though, if you're being disobedient or if you're being rebellious, then all of your giving, all of your tithing and whatnot means nothing to him because he'd rather have the obedience, all right? Then he goes on to say, 23, now listen to this, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Not my words, these are God's words. Please align, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Please align, has also rejected thee from being king. And then in 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Please underline, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So what God is saying here, that rebellion is just as bad as witchcraft. And you say, well, gee, I don't, don't practice witchcraft. I don't get into that, Pastor. But if you're being rebellious towards God, then that's the same as you being involved in witchcraft. That's how serious God takes rebellion. Because you see where it began. It began with Lucifer himself. All right? And then he goes on to say that because of that, he says that, that he had, in this case, he's talking to Saul. He rejected Saul. He's saying, I'm going to reject you because of, of your rebellion. So now, if we are trying to draw near unto God, and if we're being rebellious, how can we expect to really draw near to God if we're being rebellious? Because we're committing serious sin here, all right? And then Samuel here, uh, uh, Saul goes on to tell Samuel in verse number 24, he says he, had, he transgressed the commandments of the Lord. And why did he do it? He feared the people and obeyed their voice. Uh, feared their people and obeyed their voice. So what he was doing was he was doing things in line with what the people said instead of doing what God wanted him to do. 
And we, saints of God, we have to be so careful in that regard. We have to be so careful. We have to be so careful of who we're listening to, you know. We, we can listen to people and, and we um, um, unwittingly can wind up disobeying God and being too rebellious towards God. We can't let people in our lives be so important that they lead us down a garden path, you know, you know, and want us to do things and having us doing things or having us believing things that would be counter to the word of God. Which is another reason why it's so important that we know the word of God firsthand, that we have a personal relationship with God, that we understand the voice of Holy Spirit when he's talking to us, because people will lead you down the wrong path. And many times, many, many times, and, and I hate to say this, but it's, but it's, it's the truth, is that even, even Christians, even some Christians, can lead us down the garden path. And they may not be intentionally leading you astray. They may think they're even trying to help you. They may wind up agreeing with you in something that you are wanting, in something that you're wanting to do. They may be agreeing and saying, that's a good thing for you to pursue. That's a go- good person for you to chase after. But that person may be meaning well, may not be in line with what God wants for you. Amen? So you need to make sure that you're hearing what God wants you to do, where God wants you to go, instead of just listening and following other people. Because other people can lead you down the wrong path. Amen? And now this, this guy was king. Saul was king. Yes, so he feared the people or he was listening to the people more than what he was listening to God. So God said, because of that, you're being rebellious. So talking about drawing near to God, we may be saying in our hearts, I want to draw near to God. Yes, Lord, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. And then all of a sudden you're around some people, some friends, Christian friends and whatnot. And there's something that you're thinking about doing or someplace you're thinking about going. And they're telling you, oh, yeah, by all means, it sounds like a winner to me. Do this. I think I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. A good idea. Go do this. And maybe their meaning, their intentions are well, but it might not be what God wants you to do. So this is the other reason why we need to develop that personal relationship with God, because you need to check the spirits. The word of God says elsewhere to try the spirits. You need, you need to try who is, talking, who is talking to you. And don't think just because someone goes to church with you every Sunday, don't think that just because somebody is standing in the pulpit and is preaching to you and telling you, telling you these words, if those words are not in line with the word of God, then you need to shut your ears to it, okay? Because you can wind up being rebellious and then you're, you're falling into sin. A- amen? Amen? So we see that re- rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and listening to other people can also lead you into a rebellious state. What are some ways that rebellion can manifest itself? Well, one of them is disbelief. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Okay? Because rebellion is such a, is such a, broad, um, such a broad statement, a broad condition. So what are some of the ways that rebellion can manifest itself? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And we want to go to verse 22. Deuteronomy, Old Testament, it's one of the first five books should be right after Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Okay, Deuteronomy 9, chapter 22. I'm in no rush. I want to make sure that we all, we all get this because it's so important. Nine chap, uh, verse number 22. And at, at Taberah, and at Massa, and at Kibroth, Hedavah, you provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Please in the line, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you believed him not, underline, and you believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Please in the line, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Okay? So we see here that the reason for this rebellion in verse 23 is, and you believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. So one of the ways that we can wind up being rebellious is simply by not believing what God is saying or not hearkening to his voice. You see, and, and, and God can tell us to do many, many things, not only through his written word, but 
through confirmation, through other circumstances, you know. And again, in this particular case, it could be through people. God could be speaking through another person. But this is, again, though, this is where you have to learn how to try the spirits and make sure what that person is saying is in line with God's word, okay? Alrighty? But, but not following what God wants you to do is another way that you're being rebellious, okay? And another thing on, on my list here is coveting, and we'll get to that in a minute. But another way that we wind up being rebellious by listening to other people is because we are coveting something. Something that we want so badly that badly that we're going after that we are, are not listening to what God is telling us. There would be things that we desire, you know, that new iPad or, or, or a new huge flat screen TV that you really don't need, but you're wanting this thing so much and the Holy Spirit may be telling you, don't waste the money or don't do this for other reasons. You'll need the money to, to pay a big bill or whatever it is, but you're coveting that thing so badly that you're not listening. The other way we can wind up coveting is by coveting people. We can covet people in the sense that there's someone that we want, someone that we want to be with, someone that we want to be around so badly that it outweighs everything that God might be telling us to do. So most people think of coveting in terms of things, possessions. We can covet people in terms of wanting a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, so badly that maybe God is not wanting you to be with that person. You don't know how many times over the years in ministry I've heard sisters in the back of the church after service saying, Oh, I saw Johnny, and he's cute. And he's the man for me. Oh, sorry, John. <laughs> Excuse me. And he's, so, and he's so cute, and he's the man for me, you know. And, and the Lord told me that he's going to be my husband. Okay? And from some of the things that I knew about, not this Johnny, but knew about Johnny, um, I doubted very much that the Lord had said that this was the husband for her. Okay? Not that I ever challenged what God may have told somebody. Okay, but it was highly unlikely because of what this person was into and things that they were doing and who he was that I, that I knew. Um, I, I just, I just kind of doubt it. But yet still, this woman was coveting this individual. So we can covet people. And because of us coveting people, and in the meantime, by the way, the same way there were friends around her supporting this supposition of hers or, or, or this wrong opinion or thought of hers there were other sisters in the Lord who were supporting that oh yeah this and that yeah he's cute and I saw him look at you the other day and I'm sure he's you know and all of this stuff and pumping her up you see and they were, they were not meaning anything wrong or any harm to her they sincerely thought they were helping her and encouraging her but like Saul she's listening to the people all right so you need to be very, very, very careful about who you're listening to. You need to make sure, especially in line with, with people in this day and age, because, you know, the devil can come to you, you know, as an angel, as an angel of light. You, you, you know, I mean, the devil can manifest in so many ways, you know. So coveting people or wanting to be with someone so badly that it outweighs what God is wanting you to do, you can wind up falling into a state of rebellion and thereby hindering your ability to draw near to God which then opens up other problems for you, you know. And I see this today because of the fact, like, you know, there's the Internet and you've got electronic speed dating and you've got all of these things that match people up, you know, you know so, so easily. And you've got, you know, pictures on it. We've all seen the movies, you know, the, the picture of this, you know, six-foot-two hunk that's on the, in the photograph there. And it turns out it's an 83-year-old guy that's toothless and bald-headed, you, you, you know. But, but how do you know? Because of the representation, you know, you know, this is blind, you know, and, and so it, it's foolishness. But it's coveting someone so badly instead of waiting for God to send along your soulmate, so to speak. Amen. Sending along the person that God would have for you, you know. But in this day and age, with a day and age of electronics and whatnot, I see it so prevalent today. So one of the ways that that can hinder us from drawing near to God is by coveting things and by coveting people or coveting situations, coveting a job, coveting a house, or wanting something so badly that it may not be in line with God's word for you.
with, with God's will for you. Amen. So how do I know what is God's will? Well, the way you know God's will is by developing that personal relationship with the Lord. Another way is, is, is obeying God. It's doubt. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is another way to hinder us from drawing near to God. If you've got someone in your life that you're, you're harboring unforgiveness for, and I don't care how mad they've made you over the years or how wrongly they treated you, you know, in your spirit you've got to forgive them. Now, does that mean you, you got all of a sudden pick up the phone and start hanging out with them and everything? No, it does not mean that at all, because especially if this person is pursuing an ungodly path. God does not want us yoked with light, does not be yoked with darkness. Amen. But if there's someone in your life that has hurt you over the years and so forth, you need to forgive that person deep in your heart. Does not mean that you have to go hang out with them 24-7. But in your heart you have to forgive them, because otherwise you build in yourself a root of bitterness and that root of bitterness just eats at you it eats it eats it eats like a cancer and that can hinder you hinder your relationship with God and hinder your um, uh, development of God I I, I have to correct that it can't hinder your relationship your relationship with God unfortunately doesn't change but it hinders your fellowship with God and and your ability to uh, to draw near to him amen so we gotta gotta look at disbelief doubt unforgiveness and and, and coveting and go to Psalm, uh, Psalm 51 Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Okay, now, sin itself can can hinder us from drawing near to God, as you're flipping there. Psalm 51. Sin itself can hinder us from uh, drawing really near to God. Uh, However, when we do slip in sin... We need to speedily repent. And here we see we're going to look at what David did in terms of repentance and, and kind of analyze the steps and the process that he went through in repenting before the Lord. Lord, we can't be harboring sin in our lives and then expect to be, expect to be uh, drawing near to God and, and be, being close to God. Psalm 51, verse number 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Please in the line, create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then will I fetch transgressors, teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offerings and offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So we see here this prayer that, that, this, that, that David, uh, um, it's, it's called a psalm of penitence, where he had sinned and was asking God's forgiveness. So uh, let's look at this and, and break it down so that if we sin, we know what the steps are. First of all, there's acknowledgement and confession. So if we reread verses number one, 1 to 6, so when you sin, first of all, you have to acknowledge the fact that you did sin, and then you need to confess it. And in verses 1 through 6, that's what's done here. Have mercy upon me, underline have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon 
upon thee, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Underline, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse number three says, I acknowledge my transgressions. Please underline that. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You see, don't think that you can sin and that God doesn't see it. Amen. God knows that you sinned. Okay. But what God is looking for is for you to acknowledge the fact that you sinned. You know, you just can't go saying sin. Well, I sinned and God knows it and that's sufficient. You have to, God wants to see you acknowledge it. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me no wisdom. Underline in the hidden part thou shalt make me no wisdom. And draw a line out in your margin and write the word spirit. Because the hidden part here is talking about within your spirit. Okay, thou shalt make me know wisdom. So here we see the first step here is acknowledgement and confession of the sin. And then we see uh, asking for forgiveness and cleansing. And in verses number 7 through 10 we read, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Uh, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquity. Create in me a clean heart. Jesus, create in me a clean heart. Underline, please. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Please underline, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. So here we see now that you're asking for cleansing. After you've acknowledged the sin, now you're asking God to give you a cleansing, to clean you of that sin, and to renew in me a right spirit. And we're going to get to what renewing and so forth is about in the, 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 the second part of the sermon, so to speak. And then there's, uh, there's restoration. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Amen. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now, for us New Testament saints, by the way, just to understand that there are, um, according to what Jesus said, that uh, when he returned to the Father, that he was going to give us his Holy Spirit, which shall be with us from the end of time. So this was written in New Testament before Holy Spirit was made available to all people. Amen. Because as we know, in Old Testament before Jesus, Holy Spirit only came upon those people that God chose to speak through, the mighty prophets, you know, you know, Samuel and Elijah and so on. So here in New Testament Christians, as we are, when Jesus went back to the Father, he said, I will send you my comforter, my counselor, the Holy Spirit, who shall be with you to the end of time, end of the age. So we know that Holy Spirit can't be taken away from us. But the rest of this certainly applies to us. Then there's service unto God in verse number 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So now after you've been cleansed and you've asked God's forgiveness, asking to be cleansed, now you're committing to do God's service. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Did you ever stop and think about it? So many of us want to be evangelists and want to go about bringing people to the Lord. They want to minister to other people. But what kind of shape are you in to do that if you've got sin in your life? Amen? What kind of condition are you in to trying to be leading other people to the Lord and ministering to them and and so on when you're doing some of the things that the Word of God tells you you shouldn't be doing? You know, if you're being rebellious, then how can you be doing that? You know? So, which is another reason that you need to listen very carefully to what people are saying, what people are offering to do. We, we read last week where the Word of God says, by, by, by their fruit you shall know them, by our fruits shall, we shall be known. Amen. So how can we go about talking about we want to be evangelists, and here we are secretly and quietly, we're being rebellious. You know, we're not obeying God with what He wants us to do. We're coveting people or things. We're, 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 we're being uh, uh, doubtful. You know, we're doubting the word of God. So what kind of shape are we in to be rebellious? What David is saying, after he did all of this, acknowledged his sin and asked for the Lord to forgive him and to cleanse him, then he says, then will I teach, then will I teach, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So only then David realized he would be in a condition, he'd be in a state of existence, of being, that would be worthy enough to be trying to bring people to God and to ministering them to them, all right? So before we go, you know, spouting off, and I hear so many folks say, oh, yeah, I was down 
um, under the bridge and ministering to the poor people under there. And, and I led 53 people to the Lord. First of all, you didn't lead anyone to the Lord. But that's a, a prideful thing where people, like they have a belt, they want to put notches on their belt. You know, how many? Let me show you my belt. I got 53. How many do you have? You know, and, and it's a prideful thing. Amen. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit that does the calling and the wooing. Jesus Christ is, does the saving. You know, all we are are simply a voice for the Lord. And we should be a voice for the Lord only if we're worthy to be doing that. If we have transgression in our lives, if we have rebellion in our hearts, then we certainly are not worthy to be out there trying to lead others to the Lord. To the Lord because we can't say we are re- re- re, um, uh, representing God if we're in a rebellious state. If you're in a rebellious state, it's more like, let's face it, it's more like you're, you're, you're representing Lucifer because he's the father of rebellion. Amen. So we got to be very, very careful there about to whom we're listening and whom we're following and so on. Okay. And then we, so we see the service to God. And then in 14 to 19, this is simple worship. Deliver me from, from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. You wonder why we sing in church, right? My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Please don't lie in that. Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. How many of us really open our mouths and praise God? You know? One can say, well, I just believe in praising God quietly. That's how I worship. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not worshiping God in your heart. But scripture talks so much about opening your mouth and praising God. It talks so much about singing and making a joyful noise to the Lord, speaking forth with your mouth. You see, there is something about the spoken word that activates things in the spirit realm. Um, in the beginning, God said that there be light. God said, God said, God said. Interesting in Isaiah, Lucifer said the word of God. God made a point of saying that he said, I will, I will, I will. Jesus said, speak to that mountain. He spoke to the fig tree. So there is something in the spirit realm about the spoken word. Now, it's easy, for, it's easy enough for God to, to say and for Jesus to say for you to simply think to that mountain, be thou removed and it shall be removed. Or think to that fig tree to dry up because you're not bringing forth figs, okay? Or to think, or to think. But throughout Scripture, it says that you speak, that you an action of your mouth, okay? Okay, and 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 I'm and I'm not speaking for God, but for you to speak something is a lot more commitment on your part than you actually thinking it. Amen. It's very easy for you to think something. But it takes an active part of your will to actually say and to speak something forth. All right? All through where you see um, deliverance spoken about in Scripture. It said Jesus spoke to the demon. It didn't say that Jesus thought to the demon. It says that he spoke to the demon. We all know, those of us who have had deliverance training, that when you're delivering someone else, you don't sit with that person and you think through. I'm thinking. Spirit of fear, come out, spirit of fear. You don't sit there and put your heads together. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it. You know, spirit, oh, no, no, no. You speak to that thing in the name of Jesus and you deliver it. So there's something about the spoken word in the spiritual realm that activates the hand of God to make things happen, happen for you. Amen. So that's why David is so wisely saying, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall, um, and, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. All right? So the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. So first of all, get off that prideful high horse. All right? Don't think that because I'm going to bring sacrifice. I'm going to bring my tithes and offerings, and I give so much. I give the most of anyone in the church. You know? And one of the things that I really do not like seeing our churches that post the, the amounts of tithing of donations on the bulletin board out front for everyone to see. To me, that is so, it, it is so wrong, you know. We give to the God to the sake of, for the sake of us giving, you know. You know, the woman who gave two mites, remember that, okay? All right, gave more, according to the Lord, than those that gave millions, so to speak. It's because she didn't have much, but she gave mightily. Amen. Amen. So it, it, it's, what's, it's, what's, it's what's in your heart. You know, a broken heart, a contrite heart is one that is not being prideful. It's knowing that, that you can only rely on God for everything and anything that you need. You can only rely on God. 
If I've sinned, O Lord God, my heart is contrite because I'm really sorry for my sin. I'm not going to be prideful about it. Amen. So they have the saying that the sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou, thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Okay, so we see here now through, through that sin is another thing that can prevent us from, uh, from drawing near to God. So then we need to understand, because we just read uh, in verse number 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So we need to understand the renewal of the spirit and the mind, but first the spirit, and how do we do that? So where are we so far? First of all, we started off by saying now that we know that according to Scripture, God says, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. All right. We talked about what are some of the things that could prevent us from drawing near to God. We went through all of that, you know, rebellion and how rebellion can manifest itself. And so now on the, on the more positive side, if you will, you know, now that we've talked about all of this stuff, how do we wind up renewing our spirit, as the Lord says, and then also renewing our minds? So let's go to 2 Corinthians. You know, the beautiful thing about God is 2 Corinthians 4. We, at times, will come to church and there will be a scripture that really hits us right here. It hits us deep within. It really comes home to us, you know. And that experience might, all, might not always be necessarily a pleasant experience. When the word of God points out something in your life that you need to fix or that you need to look at more closely, all right. And do not think I'm exempt because I'm up here preaching it. Many times the very words that I'm preaching, as I'm preaching it, the thought will go to my mind, oh yeah, I need to get back to doing that, or maybe I need to check this, or maybe I need to do that, okay, because Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And if you are in the congregation and you're hearing a word of God that witnesses to your spirit and kind of touches you, you know, then the thing for you to do later on is to say you make a note of that and then, then in your quiet time and prayer time, you know, Lord, you showed me this and you showed me that. Is there more that I need to do? Is there something I need to look at? Is there something I need to attend to? Because that really witnessed and ministered to me. All right. That's called conviction. That's called conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of something and showing you something. It is not condemnation. All right. So to hear something in a sermon or to hear something from the word of God that, that, that resonates with you, that rings a bell, that makes you say that something that sounds like me, I need to look at, that's Holy Spirit convicting you. But the Holy, between, difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, he always shows you a way to fix it. He always shows you another way, according to the word of God, to make that thing where, where maybe you're not quite on the mark yet. You know, I mean, you haven't, you know, you're not saying that all of a sudden this tremendous sin has been revealed, but or maybe maybe it has, you know, but God will always show you a way to fix it. All right. Condemnation, on the other hand, is from the devil. Condemnation where the devil says, do you see that? You slipped and you sinned. There is no way out for you. There's no hope for you. You're condemned to death and there's no hope for you. Okay, now we know as, ch as Christians, as children of God, um, there is no condemnation for us. The Word of God says there's no con condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Holy Spirit, if you're hearing things in church that, 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 that ring a bell to you, and, and frankly, you, you, you know, I mean, I, I look for that when I'm preparing the message. I hear it when it does happen to me while I'm preaching it. When I was on the other side in the congregation listening, I went to church every single Sunday hoping that I will hear something that will resonate with me, hoping that I will hear something that will minister to me in terms of is there something that I need to do in my life? Is there a change in direction? Is there a change of path that I need to do, that I, that I need to take? Amen. So now that we've heard some of these things this morning, what is it that we need to do to renew our spirits and to renew our minds? So looking at second. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Please in the line, may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be in God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. Please in the line, troubled but not distressed. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Underline perplexed, but not in despair. 
Persecuted, but not forsaken. Underline, persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, underline, but not destroyed. But not destroyed, underline. Many, many times we feel troubled about things, all right? But you have to remember, though, that in this trouble, you don't get to the point of being distressed or getting into depression because you're troubled. Amen? Amen. The last one there, there is that we're persecuted, but God has not forsaken us. And we may feel cast down at times, but we're not, we're not to feel destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Underline that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, uh, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Please underline all of verse number 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things that are... For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. Underline we faint not. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, underline though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, underline inward man, is renewed day by day. Okay, so we faint not knowing that the outward man which perish, the inner man is renewed day by day. The outward man, of course, is talking about our physical bodies. The outward man is talking about our physical bodies, you know. Um, you've heard the expression, from the moment that you're born, you're dying. <laughs> you know, from the time that you're born, you're dying because your body is decaying. It's getting older and older and older and so on, okay. It says, however, the inward man, which is our spirit, is renewed day by day. All right, so that gives us something to think about right there. For our light affliction, which is but for, but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, underline, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Please underline the things which are, are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Underline that. Okay? So the first thing that we look at and have to remember is that the, 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 the things of this world and the things that we seem to be that we think are so important, you know, things, people, circumstances. This is all temporal, you know. You know, we are all, the, the Word of God says that we're all, all, every man is appointed once to die. That's the physical death. But our spirits go on into eternity. And as children of God, that eternity, our spirits will be with heaven. That is the thing that is temporal. Everything that is here before us, all of the physical things of this world are only temporary and they too shall pass away. When you think about that, it, make you, it should make you say to yourself, well then, how important is having that fiery red sports car? How important is it having that house? How important is it having this? How important, how important, how important? You know, now... Not to say those things are not important, but it should be relative. It should be only important to the, to the point that you do what God tells you to do to perhaps achieve it, but it isn't the end-all, be-all of your life. It isn't the end-all, be-all of your life. The things of, of eternity are indeed the things um, that are important. So we see here, though, that it says in verse number um, 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, which is the body, the inward man is renewed day by day. Okay, so now we see the concept of our inward man's being renewed. Now let's go to, to Colossians or Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And we're going to start at verse number 1. Colossians 3, verse number 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Okay? If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, sorry, set your affection on things above, 
not on things on the earth. Okay, so please highlight all of verse number two. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the, on the earth. Now, that, that gets back again to, to wanting things, you know, to, to having desires and what is so important to us. Are these material things so important that that is what we're fixing on rather than fixating on those things that are in heaven, the things of God? Do we want that thing? Do we want that person? Do we want that circumstance so bad that we're not fixating on those things or putting our affections or our love on those things that are above? Verse number three, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ also, when Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. See, we talked about covetousness before, which is idolatry. You know, who knows we can make idols out of people? You know, we've all seen, seen the movies and the love stories. Oh, I just love that man to death, you know. And, and oh, I just love, and that, oh my gosh. And the whole world exists around that person. You got to be careful of that, you know what I mean? Because that, that's, that's bordering on idolatry. Yeah, love your, love your husband, love your wife by all means. You know, love your boyfriend, love your girlfriend. But you get to the point, though, where like you're, you're worshiping them. You're, just, you're walking on very, very, very thin ice there, you know, okay? Uh, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience, into which you also once walked when you lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man, please in the line, put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man on the line, and have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, underline that, please. You have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So what he is saying here, what the word of God is saying here from verse number 8, that, that you've put off all of these, anger, wrath, etc., etc., and lie not to one another because you have put off the old man. The old man is the way you used to be. The old man is where, where you used to be and how you used to behave before you become, be, became uh, uh, to the Lord, before you came to the Lord, before you started knowing Jesus Christ. That was the old man. And we all had a previous life. You, you know, some of us were, were brought up in the church and so forth from the time that we were born. And, and, and so you may have had less of an old man experience, so to speak. But before we came to the Lord, though, we were still we, we were, were sinners, you know. And because of Jesus Christ, you're coming to Jesus Christ, you were saved. So we don't want to revert to being to the old state, you know, which was pre-Jesus in your life. Amen. And, uh, um, and have put on the new man in verse 10 that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Please the line, but Christ is all and in all. So that means that it doesn't make any difference whether you're of one nationality, one ethnicity, short, tall, you know, you know thin, heavier, it does not matter. You know, God is not a respecter, a respecter of, of persons. Christ is all and in all. And in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, underline elect, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, underline forbearing, meaning being patient, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, underline, if any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you also do also you. In other words, you do the same thing. All right. So if you have a quarrel with somebody and, you know, the same way that Christ forgave you, then you have to, to forgive them. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, or char love or charity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Please in the line rule. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Underline and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Please in the line dwell and underline the word richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the, the uh, grace in your hearts of the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, of Je Lord Jesus. Underline the word all. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God 
and the Father by him. So here we see now talk of, of uh, being renewed. Verse number 10, and having put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him. So, being renewed, we talked about renewing the spirit and renewing the mind. We see here now in New Testament, it's talking about the ability that our spirits and our minds can be, can be renewed. And that it's an ongoing process. So simply because of the fact that you were perhaps being rebellious or you were going down some path in a way that would be preventing you from drawing near to God, there is, it's not too late for us. You know, you can always be renewed. Your spirit and your mind can be renewed. And it needs to be renewed, and that happens by us coming to God, by confessing anything that would be keeping us away from God, any sin, going to the Lord and rebuilding that relationship with Him on a day-by-day basis. Just because of the fact that yesterday maybe you totally blew it, Maybe you totally blew it yesterday, but you go to the Lord and you confess whatever it is that you got involved in that took you down the wrong path. You confess it before God, ask for cleansing, ask me forgiveness and moving on, and ask the Lord to give me a fresh anointing on this day. Every single day when I wake up, I ask the Lord, give me a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Renew me every single day, every single day. When you wake up in the morning, it is a new day for you. You know, the, the, the past day, the, the day before that is gone. You can't go back and redo. There, there's no redos for yesterday. Amen. So ask the Lord to renew in me a right spirit. Give me a fresh anointing this day so that I can start, that I can start all over again. It gets a little more clear. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 4. The book of Ephesians. Whoops. Ephesians 4. Looking at verse number... 17, last couple of scriptures here in in closing, verse number 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, please in the line, walk not as other Gentiles walk, walk in the vanity of, of their mind. Okay. Now, the vanity of your mind, you know, you're talking about renewing your mind. If you're walking in the vanity of your mind, that means that you're the kind of person that thinks you can solve all things. You're the kind of person that thinks that I can figure out how to do it, that I can find the answer to this problem. Okay. Even Ecclesiastes talks about vanity of vanities. So vanity is when you think that you are so in control of your life that you can do things without God. You can figure out this process. You know, now, last week we talked about faith. Faith without works is dead. But that is not saying that if you have faith that you shouldn't do some things. But those actions that you're taking under what we talked about last week is when you're taking an action in faith because God is telling you to do something. Vanity of your mind is just you thinking you can do something absent God. You know, you've got this thing that's come into your life, this condition, this situation, whatever it is, and you don't even take the time to pray to God about it. You just go on and you just, just go on and do it. You know, I, I can figure this out. You know, and, and one of the ways that you draw near to God is by everything that comes into your life, you take it before God. You know, you've heard me say a million times about that hangnail thing. You know, I, I get a hangnail and it's so hard, at least for me, so hard for me to cut that hangnail. I literally pray, Lord, help me to, to cut this hangnail out so I don't wind up ripping off my thumb or something, you know. But I mean, I, I say that kind of lightly, but I'm serious about that. Um, I had to take some wires loose today uh, to the back of that uh, machine, the stereo there. And as I went about doing it, because I knew that there was a way that I could break that thing, I literally just prayed right, right while I was standing here, Lord, show me how to do this, steady my hand, etc. You see, and you get in the habit of doing that and nothing seems so trivial in your life that you think that you can figure it out without God, you see. And when God sees you getting to that point where you bring every little thing to him, regardless of how minor it, would, it will be, God will then start blessing you with bigger things. And I'm not talking about material stuff here. I'm talking about spiritual stuff here. Forget material. When God sees that you are one that comes to him with every little thing down to the hangnail, he'll start giving you revelation gifts, gifts of the Spirit, and other things like that in discernment. Because now God knows that he can trust you with that, you know. If God all of a sudden blessed you with like the word of knowledge, you know, or something like that, where you or, or gifts of prophecy, and, and all of a sudden you started knowing certain things about people, about situations and whatnot, but yet still you're the kind of person that you never come to God with, with any questions or never come to God to help to, for help in figuring things out, 
God would not give that kind of a gift to you because he doesn't know what you're going to do with it. If all of a sudden you had some insights into the lives of other people that were around you or the Holy Spirit gave you an unction for something dealing with someone, and if God knew that you, if you were not responsible enough with that knowledge, what would you do? What would you do? You could wind up destroying someone else's life. You could wind up turning them away from God. You could be saying all of the wrong things, you see. So when God realizes and sees that you are coming to him with every little thing, then God says, I can trust him. I can trust her. And then God will start moving you spiritually into different directions. You see? You see? And, and this is going back. You may not remember it, but they're on the podcast. They're on the website where we talked about new journeys in the very beginning of the year. God is wanting to move many, many people into new spiritual journeys, into new spiritual levels. But God will not trust you to take you to those new levels unless you are one that has constant conversation with him. You know, And it's not so mind-boggling when you stop and think about it. I mean, if you have a child, be it your child or a niece or a nephew, and that child is always coming to you with questions or anytime something is wrong, that child is there talking to you about it, seeking, seeking your advice, you know, you build a different relationship with that child. And you know that if I say something to that child, you know how that child is going to react. Then you have another child that does quite the contrary, very, very secretive, very secretive, never tells you anything. Comes home from school, never shares anything. This very, very, get into their teen years, very, very secretive. You know, you, you don't know what's going on in their minds. So you, you start wondering and you, you're kind of hesitant about what you will release to that child because you're not 100% sure how they're going to behave, you see. But when you're to the point that you, you go to God with every little thing, no matter how trivial, you know, then God starts working with you in a whole different light. And you'll start seeing things differently. You'll start st- seeing things differently um, uh, in, in, in your light. You see, so we, we, need, to, we need to understand that, that drawing near to God brings responsibilities and also expectations that your life is going to change, potentially could change. You know, then you have to ask yourself, how is it that I'm going to, that I'm going to deal with it? Praise God. Um, so walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, thinking that you can do it all yourself. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened. This is what happens when you're walking in the vanity of your own mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. All right, now you underline the word alienated, and that means separated, it's, it's spiritual death. Because of the fact that these Gentiles are walking in the vanity of their minds, they wind up being separated from God spiritually, from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, and, and all of us have experienced that at one time because if you've talked to someone who, who, is, who is an unbeliever and you're giving them, giving them a deep spiritual truth, you can look at their faces and you can see that, 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 that what you're saying went totally over their heads. Totally over their head. You know, to you, it makes so much sense. You're talking to another child of God, it makes too much, so much sense. But someone that is in this condition, walking in the vanity of their own minds, not acknowledging anything about God, and you talk to them about spiritual things, it goes over their heads because why? It says because of the blindness of their heart. Okay? Life of God through, through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You know, and you'll talk, you'll see a lot of people today, you know, you'll see it on, on the news, the way of the world today, those things which are, are good are considered bad, those things that are bad are considered good. You'll see some people that are saying, oh, it's so, you, look at the news, I won't get into details here, but, oh, so-and-so did that, well, that's okay, it was private, they're two adults, I mean, it's okay for them to do that, I mean, who cares whether they did that, it doesn't matter that they're the president of the world, or whatever, or whatever you know, but they did that, it's between two adults and blah, 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 you know, so they don't, they've been walking in the vanity of their minds for so long, they do not understand the truth of God, the things in this earth, the things in this eternity that really, really matter, so that their minds are, and their hearts are darkened. They don't see the wrong that is in it. Okay? They don't see it. They simply don't see it, and they cannot understand it. You can talk to them until you're blue in the face, and you will never turn them around. Amen? Amen? The most you can do for a person like that is to pray for them. That's all. Not for you to be getting yourself involved, because otherwise you, if you're not very careful you can wind up also falling into their trap and then you start becoming darkened yourself because that spirit, you know, the lasciviousness and all of those things in people that, are, that do not know God, they can talk such a great game 
that if you don't know God, you can fall prey to the gift of gab, as I call it. Some people are just gifted. And they can make going across the street, going, running across I-5 is a, is a good idea. Okay? It's a good idea. Anyone in their right mind knows that, you know, that's a foolish thing to do. But, boy, if you listen to them pertaining to the things of God, you know, they can twist it so much that it starts sounding okay. So that's why we need to be very, very careful about associating with people who are spiritually darkened because they don't understand what you're saying and they will not understand what you're saying unless Holy Spirit gets involved. So don't go thinking that you've got to save somebody single-handedly because they, they're on the dark side because you can't do it because then you start walking in the vanity of your mind. All right? You start walking in the vanity of your mind and you start thinking that I can save them. You've got to give them, turn them over to the Lord in prayer and so on like that. Someone who's been darkened like this to this point here, and especially those that are speaking outwardly against God and so on like that, they've been so darkened. There's nothing that you as a human being can do. This is something only Holy Spirit can deal with. So what do we do? Do what God would want us to do. That is to pray for them. Keep them in prayer continuously. But don't you be getting to the vanity of your mind thinking that you can change them or save them because it's just not going to happen. Amen. Verse number 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in... Let me see how far I want to go here. Okay. As the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man. Underline that again, please. That you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Please underline, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember the scriptures earlier talked about renewal. All right, how you can get to that state where you can draw near to God. Uh, you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, underline, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. Please underline, after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Right, now, this is one that we just take, kind of take so for granted. And, you know, but if you want to draw near to God and you want to get out of a state of rebellion and you want to be so that you are, 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 are your mind, your spirit can be renewed, you know, be angry and sin. That's another, well, it's okay to be angry, but don't let that anger drive you to the point where you're committing sin. Amen. And let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And, and there's very good sense for that. I mean, the person that you're angry with, you go to bed angry, you may not see that person the next morning. Then what? Maybe too late for you to say sorry. Amen. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Just please underline that. Neither give place to the devil. In other words, resist the devil. All right. You don't want to open any doors that, that, that will let him into your life. Okay. And when you're being rebellious, as it said before, that if you're being rebellious, then that evil thing can come upon you. So you need to resist them. An evil thought, an evil action comes into mind. Something that you know is against the word of God. Don't entertain it. You know, go into, into prayer and then literally say with your mouth, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Get away from me, foul spirit. I rebuke that thought. I rebuke that action. You know, if you're speaking to someone, rebuke the person. <laughs> you know, rebuke the person. You know, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I rebuke that with those words of, of negativity that you're trying to put on. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Give no place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may, may minister, administer grace unto the hearers. Please underline, let no com corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Okay? And also underline, but that which is good to the use of edifying, double underline, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know? In everyday language, sometimes, if you don't have something nice to say, keep your mouth shut. Amen? Amen? Think about what it is that you're saying out of your mouth. Are you hurting someone else? Words that we speak forth, we should try to, try to you know, that we're edifying others. You know, now that does not say that every time we're standing around, we're going to start speaking such lofty, great words. They're going to just be edifying people 24-7. But it should make us pause a little bit. You know, how am I saying this? How am I positioning these words? You know, am I doing something to build up? Am I saying something to build up rather than tear down? Um, corrupt communication is just, it's so easy for us to fall into, you know, because we can be around in, in the 
office place there or something, or in school where, where, where people are telling crude jokes, you know, and just so that we can be accepted and feel accepted by those folks, that we kind of join in and we're laughing. The next thing you know, you know, you know, we, we, we may not say, say a, a filthy curse word, but all of a sudden you, you, you're saying something that, that's a little blue color, off color, you know what I'm saying? So we don't want any corrupt communications coming out of our mouth, especially not for the sake of being accepted by someone else or by some group of people. You know, the only one I want to be accepted by is God. That's what you have to get to. That other people don't matter. And I don't care who the other people are. You know, mother, father, husband, wife. And I'm not saying that you know, your husband or your wife doesn't matter. But God has got to be first in your life. That's who you want to, who you want to um, uh, please. You know, I actually heard someone say, oh, I will follow so-and-so to the, to the gates of hell because I love him so much, you know. See ya. Adios, you know. You're, ahead, you're taking your life to the gates of hell. I'm, I'm, I'm done. You go on on your own. Amen. So let no corrupt communication come out of mouth by edifying that it may minister grace unto the hear, uh, leaders, uh, hearers. Last couple of scriptures here. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the redemption, unto the day of redemption. Please underline all of that. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, how can you draw near to God if you're wallowing in uh, rebellion, doing all of the things that we talked and discussed, you know, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, don't forget, the Holy Spirit is God. So if you're doing things that's not in accordance with God's will or what God wants for your life, then if you're grieving Holy Spirit, then how are you going to draw near to God? As simple as that. All right? We so often don't think about that. You know? And it's because of Holy Spirit, it says, by whom you are sealed until the day of redemption. When you come to the Lord and you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're sealed by Holy Spirit, which means that there is a spiritual seal on you that lets evil and those that would try to come against you know that you are property of God. Of God, you're God's property. You know, you know the king. The kings had signet rings that, if you had to pass through their land, then they gave you like a note. You know, they they would put their seal on it, which which meant that you had the king's authority to go someplace through the land. Well, the Holy Spirit is that seal that is upon us unto the day of redemption. Thirty-one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with with uh, all malice. All right, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. There it is again, forgiving one another, underline forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Underline, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Amen. So we see here that doing these things, renewing our mind, renewing our spirits, will help us, help us change when we slip away. If we, if we slip and stumble, amen? And we should be asking for renewal, you know, and like I say, in the mornings when I get up, I always ask the Lord for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Guide me, take me through the day, tell me whatever it is that, that, that you, you need me to do, and so that, that you are renewed. And if you are renewed like that in spirit and in mind, then that will not be hindering you. It will, it will, will help prevent you, first of all, from falling into rebellion. And if, you, if you've fallen into rebellion, then, of course, it makes it much more difficult for you to draw near to God. And if you're not drawing near to God, then how do you hear God? How do you know what to do? Um, uh, how do you know when he's telling you, uh, yes, I answer this prayer according to this, or no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to say this. I don't want you to see this person. I don't want you to have that thing. You know. But if we're not listening to God, then we wind up again walking and operating in the vanity of our own minds, thinking that we can do things that God might not be wanting us to do. Amen, amen, amen. And, and, and listen carefully when people are saying things to you. Just don't swallow, you know, what is it, swallow hook, line, and sinker everything that someone says to you. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings. <laughs>